0: But in the meantime, if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter five.'m going to read verse 14 through the end. Second Corinthians chapter five, begin with verse 14, it reads as follows, "For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, Then we're all dead and that he died for all. And they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in Him. Those are some powerful verses, probably familiar to many of us, and probably at different times. I know I've preached on nearly most of these, if not all of them. And today we're going to do something similar. So I want to begin with verse 14, where we see a very powerful concept here. It says, for the love of Christ constrains us. Your translation might say compels us, might say control, might say urges us. But we get from this idea that the love of God, the love of Christ specifically, compels us to do certain things. It makes us different. It gives us a reason. And I won't re-preach a sermon that I've preached on that verse specifically other than to say that in a world that's looking and lost and is absent of any compelling reason to do anything, Christ is that reason. And Christ is what constrains and compels us and pushes us forward. Christ is what gives us our focus and our desire in life. And it's a very important thing that we remember that we are here because of Christ and therefore He is what controls and compels and constrains and pushes us forward. And he's doing that, as we see in verse uh, 15, that we don't have any more of our own pride, our own habits, our own thoughts, our own desires, but we would live for a Savior, that we would do the things that he wants us to do in this world, that we would be obedient. There's that theme that keeps coming up over and over again we would not live for ourselves, as it says in verse 16, but to Christ, that we would have a new standard, that we would desire new things and a new way of looking at things. And again, I think this is really important and kind of touches on what we tried to cover last week, that we tend to make our own desires, our own pride, our own selves, the standard of things, when really what we should be doing is comparing what we should be doing to Christ, the standard, that we should be compelled to do what it is that Christ wants us to do and live in a way that he desires for us to live. And that brings us to verse 17, which is where I want to spend a majority of the focus today. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And again, perhaps your translation says a new creation in either way is a perfectly valid way to get to the same idea. And I want to pause here for just a minute because it's easy so many times as we go over the scriptures to, to run right over a concept and not slow down and consider it or to not really think through in detail what this is trying to tell us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away and all things have become new think about that for just a minute and what that means for us that means if anyone who is saved anyone who knows the lord and is known by the lord that we are not what we used to be and instead we are new creatures we are different we are made brand new now who's the only one that can make something out of nothing god Who's the only one that can truly transform something from what it was, dead and something else, into something that is alive and something that is new? And that is God, Jesus Christ. There is no other creator. There is no other author. There is no other way to do this. We cannot in our own strength transform ourselves into something that we're currently not. It isn't say that he just changed us a little bit. It doesn't say that after we come to a saving knowledge of him that we're 10% better than what we were. It doesn't say that when we come to a saving knowledge of him that we're, you know, just a little bit or even a lot different. It says that we are a completely new thing, that the old things that were inside of us are old desires or old lusts. The old things that controlled us on a daily basis, on a continual basis, those things are gone, and instead, Jesus Christ makes something new in us. Our old sins are gone, our old thoughts, our old principles, our old practices, our old habits, our old sinful desires, and they have passed away. And in their place, the power of God makes a dead man come alive. In their place, the power of God makes a hard heart become soft, as the scripture says. In its place, the power of God can make someone who doesn't see to see, as the scripture also says. We see over and over again in the scripture, from the very beginning to the very end, from Genesis to the end, that God is doing something new in this world, that He is taking the impossible, and He's changing it to be more like Him, creating it to be something that is new. Does this mean that we never fall back into sin? Well, surely not. What this means, though, is that we are free from the bonds that have entangled us through the power of Jesus Christ. And when we feel though that old nature creeping back in, when we feel pride, when we feel self-doubt, when we feel the desire to do things that are not of God, when we feel the desires not to do things that God wants us to actually do, we must remember that we are new creatures, not in my own strength, not because I did something or because I earned something, but because God, through His grace, made me new. And we should go to God for renewal, and encouragement, and help in these times where we need it. It is only through the power of God that can make something dead that's alive. Only through the power of God that can make something old, something new. Now, we might very well easily say that in some people's lives, this becomes more evident, doesn't it? You may have heard testimonies It may be one of yourselves, that maybe you were living quite the rough life, and the Lord saved you, and you changed your ways. These are dramatic and abrupt turnarounds. We're very thankful to hear these testimonies and encouraged by them. But we must also remember that no matter how, quote unquote, good you were living, that Christ is still going to make you new. And that what to a degree of change may be not as grand as perhaps someone else doesn't reflect the fact that you're not new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold thing the old has passed away behold all things are new this idea as I mentioned is carried out in several other scriptures Galatians 6 15 says for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation Paul says in Colossians 3 10 and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator And therein lies what I said just a moment ago, the idea that we are made new in the image of our creator and that we must be renewed. What does that mean? What that means is we are made new creatures, but we are still uh, here on earth, which means we still have uh, the sin nature inside of us. We still war and fight against it to do the right thing. And we must be renewed. Now we're only made new once, but we're refreshed over and over again. And who does that refreshing? We're the same power of God. It's the same source that we went to to be new the first time that we go back to be renewed and say, Lord, I cannot uh, deal with this temptation. I want you to take it out of my life. Or you say, Lord, I cannot deal with this burden. I need help with it. Whatever it is that you are going through, we can go back to the one who made us new to be renewed, to be encouraged over and over and over again. thereby killing the hostility. Well, that may sound rather complicated, but what we see is that we have this dual nature. We are fallen and there's a struggle between what God wants and demands and respects and deserves and what we have to offer. And there is only one way to reconcile, if you will, and we saw that in 2 Corinthians as well. There's only one way to make this work, and that is the sacrifice of an all-holy God in the form of Jesus Christ. And because of that sacrifice, he can take what is impossible for us to do and make it possible through God to be reconciled or to become one, become new with God. And this is a beauty and it is a wonder. And it is part of what is often called the mystery of the faith. I don't really understand exactly how it happens, but I know that it does, and I know that the Lord does it, and know that it is in His power, not my own might, not my own effort, but through Him these things occur. If you want more instructions on this, I'll read just a few verses, but you can note uh, Ephesians chapter 4 would be a good place to go, Ephesians 4 and 5, really. But beginning with Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23, we see uh, instructions about being a new creature. And it tells us what not to do. It gives us a list and helps us identify the things that are old, the things that have passed. And so as I read these, if you see these things in your life, then you must ask yourself one of two questions. Either A, are you not a new creature, as in you've never been saved? Or B, do you need to be renewed? And so Ephesians 4 and 23 Begins as follows And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put you on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed from the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted forgiving one another, even as God um, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And so we are told in this section here what we should do when we are a new creature, both things that we ought to do and things that we ought not to do. We are reminded that we are to put away the old things and no longer be pulling those out. Why? Because we are, in fact, a new creature in a new creation. And we should instead strive to do the things that God has commanded us to do through the Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. You could go on into chapter 5, and it gives us more instructions about what we are to do. Be ye, therefore, followers of God, dear children. And you can continue reading through the rest of this book to see what it is that God is telling us to do. And so I encourage you to consider the rest of this chapter today and tomorrow and the next few days and this week as you reflect on the fact that those of us who know God are new creatures. And as new creatures, we act and don't act in certain ways. And I do want to make one note back in 2 Corinthians It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And I want to focus on that, again, that small word in. What does that mean? In Christ. It is very important that we understand who we have to be in to be a new creature. Notice it doesn't say we don't have to be in the church. I mean, I want you to come, but you don't have to be here to be in Christ. You don't have to be a member of this church to be in Christ. You don't have to be good to be in Christ. In fact, you could list almost anything that you want to and what many men will tell you today, what many faiths and religions, quote unquote, will tell you today that you must do this and must do this and must do this, that you must maintain some type of sinless state, that you must repeatedly give uh, confessions for your sins, that you must be giving offering, that you must be on a certain church membership. Whatever it is, it clearly states there is one thing that you are in and one thing alone and that is in Jesus Christ. It is absolutely essential that we understand this. It is not in Christ and 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 it is simply in Christ makes us a new creature. And so that brings a very important question that we should all ask. Are we in Christ? Not am I a member of this church? Not am I friends with so and so? Not am I a good person? Not am I do I donate so much money, but am I in Jesus? Christ, There is no other way. Philippians 2.13 reminds us it's also not our own effort, for it is God who works in you. And John 1.13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, at the very beginning of the book of John, we are reminded that those of us who come to know him, it's not through my own effort that I am saved. It's not because I am so good. It's not because I've done anything worthy of redemption, but it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that I can receive forgiveness to be redeemed and to be made a new creature. In him and in Christ alone, there is no other hope. And there is no other combination of hope. It is not Christ and something else. It is in Christ alone. And when we have come into Christ, when we have put our faith in him and he has received us as his own, then we pass from the old to the new. Now, as I mentioned before, we're going to struggle with this. If you've been saved for any amount of time, I'd say even a few weeks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You will struggle. It will be hard. You will have times when you do very well and times when you do poorly. We're going to struggle while we're this side of eternity because I still have to live in this physical body, which is going to tempt me to do things that I should not do and is going to tell me to be lazy about doing the things that I should do. Beautiful verse in Galatians 4 9. Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Galatian and says this peculiar phrase But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? See, Paul hit on something very important that I think we need to remember as believers. We're all going to trip. We're all going to fall. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to step back a little bit. Now, I'm not making excuses for that other than to say that it's those times when we are trying our best and mess up that we need to remember that we are a new creature, that God loves us. he We've been reconciled, and we need to get back up and try again. But there are other times in our lives when we actively choose to do the opposite, and we actively choose to do it for a long period of time. This is a serious problem, and this is what I think is being addressed here. It's not, oh, I yelled in pain and said something I shouldn't. It's not, oh, this person cut me off or I lost my uh, temper or I temporarily forgot to do this or whatever it is. I think what is being addressed here in Galatians is that they came to know the Lord. They came to be chosen by him, to be known by him and to know him. And I love the way that it works both directions. But that at some point they began to go back to the very basic principles of what we would call the flesh. The flesh. Of life before Christ. They went back and they began trying to follow all of the Jewish customs, which were no longer necessary. They went back to their old way of thinking and their old way of doing things. And they not only just went back to that temporarily, but they seemed to be happy there. And Paul comes along and says, How dare you? How could you possibly go back to what it was that enslaved you? And so here again, we get this picture of being a new creature. And maybe an illustration will help. Maybe it won't. I don't, I don't know. Maybe some of you have broken a bone in your life. I have no idea. Most of us either have or know someone who has. And there's a period of time when you can't use it while it sets and it heals and you're in a cast. Maybe you can't walk or move your arm or something like that. And so the question is, would you want to go back to that time when you were injured and couldn't move that leg or that arm or that hand or that finger? Well, absolutely not. No one wants to go back to the old way When you were in pain and suffering and couldn't function properly. Maybe you have some other ailment you're thinking of. It doesn't matter, but you get the idea. The reality is spiritually we are the same way. We are broken. We are constrained, not by the love of God, but constrained by our flesh. We are slaves to our own sin nature. And God came and released us from that for the moment we're saved. And the question is, why would we ever go back? Why would you go back why would you return to what kept you in bondage why would you return to slavery why if you're healthy and healed would you go back to have a broken bone again no one wants that the same application is there spiritually i think this is what we are being encouraged and told that we should not return to the life that we had before we should not try to go back to the creature that we were before we should not go back to our deadened hearts and our blind status once we have been set free we are a new creature and a new creation that god has made he has given us an individual name and has written that name in a book why do we go back to living like the old self why would we permanently return to what was not good and what kept us in bondage Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things. You still struggle with something? Of course we do. But all things will become new. Do you still have issues with pride? All things can become new. Do you still have issues with addiction to something? All things can become new. Do you still have lustful desires? All things can become new. Do you still have self-doubt and self-hatred? All things can become new. Whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, if you've been saved, all things can become new through jesus christ if you will give it to him not if you try and do it on your own pull yourself up but if you give over control to him that's why some of the best addiction counseling and you can fill in whatever you think i'm thinking about for addictions but i'll let you think about whatever you want there's lots of different types of addictions but the best addiction counseling helps you realize like this isn't something you can control God has to do it. And so whatever it is that you're struggling with in your life, let us remember that if you've been saved, you are a new creature, and only God can change it, and God is wanting to change it. He desires to change it. He wants you to be whole. He doesn't want us running around with a broken leg. He doesn't want us to run around spiritually broken. He wants us to be whole. I think this is why and we see in Philippians 2.12 that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, as I've said before, this verse has been abused a few times. It's not telling us to work out something we don't have. It's telling us to exercise our salvation. It's telling us to know the Lord and to live into Him, to make sure that we are open to Him, to allow everything to be new. To be open to allow God to pinpoint and say, right there is what I want you to change. Here's where I want you to do something different. This is what I want you to do better. We are to be active and engaged. Salvation is certainly something that happens once. But after that, we are to grow to be more like Him. We are to become more like Him. Are all things new for you? Ask yourself that. Have all things been made new to you? Every time we, scripture talks about new things. It talks about things that have passed, but it also talks about things we should be doing. Don't really understand the particular focus on that for the last few months here, but obedience isn't just not doing something, it's doing things that God wants you to do. I don't know what those things are. You can't come to me and me tell you. It doesn't usually work that way. In fact, very rarely would it ever work that way. On occasion, you might have someone who speaks truth into your life and gives you some message from the Lord. But for the most part, I think God is waiting and willing. In fact, He's more than waiting. I think He's actively telling us, and I think we're saying no or we have our mind clouded with so many other things we can't possibly hear what it is that He wants us to do. Are all things new for you? If they are, then let us live a life worthy of the calling that Jesus Christ has laid before us. If He has made you new, let us live like we're new. Let us seek Him to put the things that do hinder and hold us behind away if we've been made new let us seek him to help remove the sin that's in our lives that's still holding us back if we've been renewed and made new then let us seek him not only for guidance for what we should be doing but encouragement and help to make sure that we actually do it let us press on as the apostle paul would say toward the prize let us push for what the Lord wants for us. And the Lord wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healthy. And I'm talking spiritually. He doesn't want us to return to that dead life. He doesn't want us to return to blindness. He wants us to see. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healthy. Does the Lord constrain and compel you? Now listen, I'm going to bring this back in with that first verse we have a really hard time with this in our culture because we're very independent people. And I kind of like that because it fits me really well. I'm a fairly independent kind of person. So I feel like I'm right, which is a very comfortable place to be. The problem is, as much as I want to be free, as much as I don't want to be constrained, I must remember who constrains me, who compels me, who controls me, who deserves every minute of every effort that I give, whether it's to him specifically or to my friend or to my neighbor or to my job or whatever God has given me to do. It is God who deserves every single bit of it because I am his new creature. He compels me. He controls me. He constrains me. And in that, I find freedom. Now you may not think that that's true, but I challenge you to spend some time working on it and you'll find that it's true. You'll find that when you are living within the bounds of what God is telling you to do, both generally through the scripture and specifically through the spirit of God when he speaks to you, you will find a freedom in that in being constrained and being compelled to go in a certain direction that you've never experienced before. As I talked about before, some of your uh, testimonies may be a time where you cast off all constraints. That's not good. And if you know what that's like, you know it's not good. I even experienced that at work once. Took on a new job. They didn't have this thing called a policy manual. I was really excited. This is going to be fantastic. I can do whatever I want to. It was a nightmare. It was horrible. And if you've ever done that before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go take a new job and no one tells you what you're supposed to do or how to do it, but then yells at you when you do it the way you thought was right. It's not what you want. Brothers and sisters, young ones, listen to me. You may think all you want is freedom to do whatever you want to. But what you really want is someone to tell you the truth and say, left lane, right lane. Stay in the middle. Trust me. What you want is you want guidance. You want to be free within those lines, and God will give you freedom when you go the right direction. But you must know the word of God, and you must stay within the bounds of what it is that he has you to do, and you must be compelled, you must be pushed, you must be constrained by him. Why? Because he loves you, because you are his, because he made you new. Why would he do that? Anything less. Why would you return to that dead nature that you used to have? Are all things new for you? Does Christ's love constrain and compel you? Are all things new for you? Are you being obedient to what it is that he wants you to do? Are you being obedient to what it is that he doesn't want you to do? Have you found yourself wandering in a direction that isn't his, then it's time that we pause and we remember that apart from him, we can do nothing. But in him, in him alone, we have power. Because he has power. Because he made us new. And so as we close, we give you an opportunity again to be obedient. Maybe you need to be obedient the first time and come to God and say, God, make me this new creature. We call that salvation. That point when you come to God and you fall on your knees and you recognize that you have been a sinner, that you are a sinner, that you're actively in rebellion against God, that the Bible says you actually hate God. And if only we would just admit that sooner, we'll get a lot closer on the way, won't we? Oh, but we try to convince ourselves it isn't true. But when you finally realize that you hate God and you're actually God's enemy and you come before Him under that conviction realizing your state and you beg for mercy and He gives it to you and you feel that peace and your sin is taken away because Christ has crucified, been crucified for your sins and you become begun to know Him then in that moment somehow spiritually you are no longer dead but you are alive. You are His. You are a new creature with a new name to live forever with Him. And if you've not experienced that, then you need to experience that this morning. And for those of us who have experienced that, and maybe you're sitting here realizing, you know, I know I'm a new creature. I know it. But boy, have I gotten real used to going back to the limp that I had before. I've picked back up that burden that God took away from me. I've given in to the things that I shouldn't. Then I think in a very similar way, you also need to confess and ask for help because it is in him who works to give us the power. If you have a burden, if you have a struggle, it is God who will help you.